Everybody read? Yep. Yo. All right, Justin, sing me my favorite song about Chicago. Your favorite song about Chicago? Yeah. Man, I don't know what that is. Or if you said it to me, I don't remember. Uh, let's see. You're the one that was song sitting about there Chicago. getting all fucking fancy last episode. I told you I was going to make it hard. Man. So this is what you get. Your favorite song. Uh, dang it. Man, I can't think of anything. Something about a pizza. Something about a pizza, no. So no points for you, Justin. <laughs> Which means I get points. I get two points. Just because I get to arbitrarily deal that out. Heather, what about you? Uh, Can you sing my favorite song about Chicago? Unfortunately, I don't know how it goes, but I know what the song is. I just don't know how it goes. What do you think the song is? It's that Kanye song, that homecoming song, isn't it? That's number two. Oh. So uh, no, you get no points. Okay. Well, I can't think of another one that would be, I don't know. Specifically. I do not know. It's the Bruce Hornsby version of Born in Chicago. Oh, okay then. I would have also accepted the Blues Brothers Sweet Home Chicago. Okay. But hmm. number two is Homecoming by Kanye and Chris Martin of Coldplay fame. Man, I really thought that I knew that one. So I get four points for this episode. And you both get zero. You're lucky I'm kind and merciful and you get just zero points instead of negative five each. Oh. I'm just saying, Justin, you challenged me at the end of the last episode. It might have even been after we were recording, so everybody listening has no clue what we're talking about. But you challenged me and said you had a winning record now. And you don't. Uh, just saying. I'm inclined to blame Kurt, though, for this because he brought it up again. Yeah, well, Kurt's not here. He just gets to listen now. So the pain and destruction he caused is dealt to you two. Man, Kurt. Boo. <laughs> and on that note, here's the theme song. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today, we are doing one of our essentials list. This is off Justin's essentials list. This is the one and only Academy Award winning Best Picture, Chicago. So with that, we will talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with that movie. And starting us off, well, not starting us off yet, now that I say that, uh, we will do non-spoilers, recommendations, and scores, then spoilers with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around if necessary. So now starting us off, because it is his, one of his essential movies, is Justin. What are your spoiler-free thoughts about the movie Chicago? Yeah, boy, I was excited to do this one. Um, this is definitely one of my favorite movies. Uh, probably is my still my favorite musical. Um, sure, there you could argue there are better ones or this, that, and the other, but I, I this is a, just a personal favorite of mine. I mean, this movie really is just my kind of movie, especially when it just comes to musicals and stuff like that. Like, I just really appreciate 
all of the the visual storytelling in this. And and I don't know, I'm pretty sure if you've been listening to us and you've been a longtime Cinefan, you probably noticed that one of my tendencies is I tend to like or lean towards movies that just really are good about how they tell a story visually. You know, sometimes it's about how uh, a movie moves or how it flows. You know, there's, there doesn't have to be so many words and stuff like that, but how a movie cuts and how it tries to tell a story visually is just so important. And to me, this is kind of one of those movies where this is like a masterwork of visual storytelling. Um, it's also a, a masterwork of editing. You know, Sterling alluded to the fact that like it's a, uh, it won the Academy Award for Best Picture, deservedly so. Uh, in 2002, I believe. But to me, what what this really does master is editing. And I'll go into some specific just things that stood out to me watching it this time in our spoilers. But yeah, man, I think that if you're like one of these one of those people like studying movies or you're an aspiring filmmaker or you're somebody who's kind of interested in like um just kind of film techniques and stuff like this, and you're kind of looking for movies that are well edited, watch this. Because I think that there's just a lot you can learn by just how well this was cut. You know, I mean, it's just superbly cut and it just tells such a great story. Um, Also, man, there, there are a lot of talented performers in this and they all just show up here. I mean, Catherine Zeta-Jones, was wonderful in this. Um, I, to me, th- I think this is still like her best performance. I think that this is the one that I really just like the best. I don't know if she was ever better than she was here. Um, Renee Zellweger, who is underrated, I think, criminally, because she's a very, she's very talented. I've seen her in a lot of great performances. And I think that this has stood the test of time as one of her better ones. You know, I think that she's great here. Um, Queen Latifah is another MVP in this movie. She's great in this. And again, kind of like Catherine Zeta-Jones, I think that this is probably her best performance. I think that, um, or at least it's got to be top one or two. I mean, I, I can't remember a time where she was better. Um, I mean, everybody just stands out in this movie. John C. Riley, I think this is one of his best performances too. Like, it's it's just a movie that really just has a lot of great stuff. Oh, and Richard Gere, I mean, my gosh, Richard Gere is wonderful in this. Uh, definitely my favorite role of his is this too. So everybody just really just shows up to this. But I mean, this movie is just... To me, it's wonderful from start to finish. The musical numbers are great, but and and I mean, obviously, Chicago is a is is like an all time Broadway musical classic. But this story and the the cinematography and the way this is edited and the way this is shot really just brought something a flash and a sexiness and a just a a very just well thought out story. It really brought a great movie adaptation 
of this Broadway musical. Um, if you're kind of a film history buff, this movie also has historical relevance too, because it in because this is the reason why we got so many musical adaptations. So like it's even got that going for it too. So if you're a fan of stuff like Hairspray and Sweeney Todd and La Miz and I don't know, Rock of Ages and I mean, La La Land, like all of these movies that we got later, really, this movie was a trendsetter because it kind of showed that, hey, Hollywood, there's still money to be made in adapting these musicals from the stage and making them films. So really, that kind of renaissance for these types of movies, that kind of resurgence for these kinds of Moulin Rouge is another one I think of. Um, but all of those movies and that kind of musical resurgence, they all have to kiss the hand of this movie. This was the movie that kind of, you know, busted that wide open and said, Hey guys, there's still money to be made for these types of movies. So yeah, man, this is now just considered a classic um, and it's easy to see why. And I think it has a timeless quality with its messages and what it's trying to say and everything like that. So, yeah, man, this is just always a joy to watch. It's 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 a joy to the eye. It never gets boring. It's just so because it's just so visually pleasant what you're looking at. So, yeah, man, uh, what more can I say about this man without spoiling? But, yeah, it, it's great. So. I'm glad that we got to watch this and talk about this in detail. Heather, what about you? Okay, so Justin, don't hate me for this. This is my very first time that I ever watched Chicago. <laughs> um, cool. I just missed the boat on it when it came out. I think because when I was younger, I really didn't watch a lot of musicals. Like my family was not into them. So we didn't really ever watch them. So I kind of missed this when it came out and when it was a big deal. Um, so, you know, and I do definitely like musicals now, um, certain ones. But um, yeah, so it was actually really, it was kind of cool to go into this movie being older and just kind of having more of an appreciation for this type of movie instead of just being like, oh, well, it won all the awards. So I guess that I should watch it for that. Like actually coming into it knowing I would have a greater appreciation for it, I think did help a lot. But honestly, this was just a very delightful movie. Like it's just, I mean, the subject matter is not delightful, but it's just a fun, flashy, good, well-made movie. Like it's just, it's very well, yeah, the editing, I agree, Jason. I think the editing is great. The cinematography, just the direction of it, I mean, and just how they incorporate the the musical numbers into what's going on in the actual like larger story is so creative and i just think they did a great job with that the acting is really good i have never really been the hugest fan of renee zellweger but i've also not seen her in a whole lot um i really more i guess indifferent towards her but i would say this is probably peak renee zellweger um catherine zeta jones is wonderful in this she's very great and this is also probably my favorite richard gear performance i think it's yeah. really it's just like i don't know he's just so good in this role 
Um, I think this is like right before he became like really old Richard Gere. <laughs> that just doesn't like do a lot well, of things anymore. He did Mothman prophecies, I think, after this. And I think he was still not old man gear yet. Okay. Like his hair was just kind of gray instead of solid white. Right. <laughs> and his eyes hadn't you're completely right. disappeared yet. Correct. Yeah, you're right. So I guess he still had a few more years of like Richard Gere in him. But then he, yeah. But this was just a really great performance by him. He was just very um, entertaining to watch. Um, yeah, everybody was really great in this. And um, just the storytelling, the way they told the story. And it's one of those where there's just so many people to not root for, but you also do root for them at the same time. It's very, yep. it's very funny. And it's, it's a very well told story. You've got the drama, you've got the, the funny, you've got the great musical numbers and just the production of it. Like everything looks so beautiful. Um, it's just really cool. And um, of course, Queen Latifah. I mean, I love Queen Latifah. Like in my eyes, almost she can do no wrong. I love her. So I think she was great in this. Um, I just kind of wish, I mean, she did have a very significant role, but I do kind of wish they would have um, probably just, I mean, just given her a little bit more screen time. I would have been fine with that. But her musical number was amazing, of course. And I just, I think she's great. She just kind of steals the show anytime she's on screen. She just really steals every scene that she's in. So, um, yeah, I love her. But yeah, I'm actually just really glad that this was on your list, Justin, because it gave me a chance to actually watch it. I mean, not that I couldn't have watched it on my own, but, you know, just, you know, so many movies to watch and things to see that it's like, you know, I'm just it's not probably one that would have been like, you know, what? I've never seen Chicago, you know, so I'm, I'm really glad I had the opportunity to watch it because I've been missing out for years on this movie and it's great. So, yeah, I um, I really enjoyed it. I've got kind of a mixed bag of feelings when it comes to this movie. I'm not completely in love with stage, stage plays becoming movies and still presenting themselves as stage plays a lot of times. Like a lot of the numbers and a lot of the setup in this still has a very stage type of vibe to it. And while granted, a lot of it is more of like a cabaret type of stage and some of it does makes sense, like in the form of an actual cabaret performance. But lots of times when it goes to a musical number, it goes to a stage every time. And I'm not always the biggest fan of that because if you're making a movie, make it a movie. Don't go back and forth. But there's a big but with that because it'd be ridiculous to say, though, that when this film does do that, they do a really damn good job of that. They succeed yeah. very well at it. It's it's probably one of the more visually spectacular play turn um, film adaptations out there, and it really kind of brings to light some like some of these uh, stars, like everybody was talking about. I mean, Queen Latifah before this was kind of just known for being like the comedic friend character. As much as I love the movie Brown Sugar. What is Queen Latifah in that? Just the comedic sidekick. That was her character for so long. And now it kind of makes you wonder how much talent we missed out because of the roles that Queen Latifah was given. Yeah. Yeah. 
because she's got it. And wasn't she nominated for this role? Yes, she was nominated yep. for Best Supporting mm-hmm. Actress for this. Yeah. Uh, she lost to her co-star, Catherine Zeta-Jones, which... Which is fair. I, I can't disagree with that, because to me, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Richard Gere steal this movie 100%. every second. Yeah. When they are on screen, it's their movie. I know yeah. Renee. I know Renee's the leading actress. I know Renee's the main character, but she gets overshadowed pretty much every time she's on the screen with one of these other two actors. And it's mainly because when it comes to the whole singing and dancing, nobody does more of it than Richard Gere and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah. Like, they go full out. And, I mean, Catherine Zeta-Jones, man, it's one of the reasons why I love the movie American Sweethearts. It's also because of this. Like, you see some of that stuff there where she's doing stage dancing and tap dancing. Yes. And I was thinking the same thing. They put yeah. that in there because of this. She had trained for this. Yep. So she could do it. So they figured they might as well put it in because she's damn good at it. Yeah. That she num- did a great job. That, that number when she's doing the whole, uh, like, trying to convince Renee Zellweger's character to do a production with her, talking about what her and her sister used to do for their act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was great. Damn. You do. Then I do. And then she got the chair and was dancing in the chair. It was great. That was a great number. Oh, yeah. She lights it up. Yeah, for and, sure. And then on Richard Gere's side, that tap dance number, when he's cross-examining Catherine Zeta-Jones' character mm-hmm. in court. Yeah. Holy yeah. fuck. That's amazing. That was brilliant how they did that. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. And as much as, like I said, I don't like the idea of them going to a stage. Whenever they do that reverse mm. stage angle, where you're on the back of the stage facing the crowd, the empty crowd, and it's just him tab dancing in that auditorium alone like that, damn. It built so much tension for what was going on. It was brilliant. Yeah. The thing I wished, though, is I wish they made it a tap dancing battle between Catherine Zeta-Jones and him as, like, representing like the whole sparring of the cross-examination. I think that's the only thing that would have made that seem better. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like he does some tap dancing, you know, like thinking he's like getting her all riled up. And then like, maybe she gives the answer. He's not expecting tap dancing back to him. Oh man. I think it would have been great, but I mean, I'll take some solo Richard gear tap dancing. Cause fucker nailed it. I mean, and I mean, both of their introductions, I I like both of their introductions more than I like Roxy Hart's introduction. You know, Catherine Zeta-Jones' introduction in this movie mm-hmm. is what maybe the most iconic song from this mo- uh, movie or play. I mean, it's between that and the Cell Block Six or whatever Cell Block Tango or whatever the fuck it's called. You know, yeah, it coming. Yeah, but it's well, yeah, that one. Whatever. I thought it was yeah. also called something else. Anyway, but I mean, those are the two most popular numbers from this play. At least as far as I know, those are the ones I've heard outside of this play and recognize yeah, at me least, too. you know. See, I, yeah, I knew those songs going into it. Yep. I mean, there was, I mean, I say all that, but then like there was that main song from Cats that Jennifer Hudson's character sang that I had no fucking clue <laughs> that that was from Cats. Same. Um, yeah. But I mean, all that jazz. I mean, and let's be real. Catherine Zeta-Jones doing all that jazz and something else. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, that is probably as iconic as her going through the 
the laser trapping entrapment. <laughs> if you get what I'm saying, I'm trying to be very polite about it. It's uh yeah, it's iconic to something, but I just got a feeling it's not your brain. <laughs> no, it is to that too. Cause it's a great, great scene. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm being serious. Like everything about it, like visually speaking, uh, like her singing, the way they shoot that whole scene when you get that little, the wisps of smoke from cigarettes and stuff. It's a greatly shot scene. And it doesn't look half bad either. That's all I'm saying. But Yeah, I mean, anytime we talk about Catherine Zeta-Jones, I mean, nobody's going to really be fighting you on her hotness. I'm She's just saying, happen, so. there's Catherine Zeta-Jones and then there's Catherine Zeta-Motherfucking-Jones. <laughs> she brought the motherfucking into this one. I'm just saying. Um, but I mean, it, and it is just such a greatly shot scene. And plus one thing I love about this movie is that in a lot of ways it, it does capture Chicago in a very special way because one thing Chicago likes, it likes its jazz and its blues music, which is this movie likes its alcohol, which is this movie. And it likes its corruption and violence, which is this movie. That's kind of how yeah. Chicago rolls, you know, <laughs> and this was the Al Capone days. When it was even more so, they were just openly yep. corrupt and violent. Now they're all, I mean, we all know they're corrupt. They try to act like they're not now. And the violence is different now. And, you know, people aren't as on board with the violence nowadays. But there still is that weird part of Chicago history where Chicago is just weirdly proud of how violent and dirty it is. And I love every bit of it. It's the same reason why my favorite Chicago movie is Candyman. Just... It fits. And it's also why the Blues Brothers is iconic. I mean, when else do you root for these two mother, like criminal motherfuckers that are like openly destroying hundreds of cop cars and breaking every rule possible and all this other shit? That's just a very weird, distinctly like Chicago trait. It's what we do here. As Billy Flynn would say, that's Chicago. Yeah. But I like those parts whenever, uh, you know, like, Whenever that heiress, when Lucy Liu's character, um, well, I guess this is more of a spoiler, but it kind of, you know, when Roxy Hart's kind of losing her fame a little bit to a new murder. And he's like, yeah, that's Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And can I just say that it's a real shame that Richard Gere didn't even get, like, nominated for his role in this? And that's very sad to me. Yeah, no, I get that. I think it's very weird that he got it in John C. Or he didn't, and John C. Riley did. I know, and that's nothing like, against nothing John against C. Riley's yeah. part. I think he is like incredibly underrated for this. He's yeah, phenomenal he's phenomenal in this too. Yeah, like people forget what John Re- John C. Riley used to be as an actor. Like he used to be like a very studious actor that would do like this, and he was also uh, played a very serious role in Gangs in New York. You know. Yep. And then it's just all of a sudden he. He does one movie with like Will Ferrell and then everybody forgets what he used to be. And don't get me wrong. He's magical at that too, though. It just kind of shows how vastly underappreciated John C. Riley is. Yeah. I mean, this man literally can do anything. I mean, he can do the serious. He can do song and dance. He can do comedy. He can do all of it. And we don't appreciate him enough for that. So I want to say, Stop everything right now and just say, John C. Riley, I appreciate you. <laughs> I can get on board with that. I mean, it's just, this is one of those weirder movies where 
I did not appreciate it probably as much as I should have back when it came out. I still hadn't quite, I don't want to, I don't know if I would say grown up yet. Um, cause I think a lot of people would argue that I still haven't, but like what I wanted in movies back then and what I want in movies now is vastly different. And as much as I watch a lot of garbage movies now, I feel like there's a sense of underappreciated quality in the garbage I watch now. Like, like hidden gymnasts, if you will, kind of like a, like a crawl, just, just not appreciated for the masterpiece that it is. But like, I used to watch shit like every just bullshit fucking comedy that came out in the early 2000s. Like that, you know what I mean? Um, I'm trying to think <laughs> of an example. I don't watch them anymore. That's why I can't think of one. Um, but yeah, just like every like teenage shitty ass comedy from back in the day, you know, just that generic PG 13 comedy about like a guy who's an outcast of some sort that just loves a girl that he can't get, but then does. But like the shitty immature <laughs> version of that, I'm not talking about the rom-com version of that. I'm not talking about like, I can't hardly wait. I'm talking about a God, why can't I fucking think of one of them? God damn it. <laughs> just one. Oh, oh, <laughs> do you guys remember the movie Grind? Yeah. Like the skateboarding movie? I don't movie? think I saw that. Yeah, you're not missing anything, Justin. <laughs> it's a shitty fucking movie. Loved it when I was that age, though, man. Like 16 in 2002, I loved that shit. Like, uh, you know what else I loved back then? Loved back then. And like, I'm kind of ashamed to admit it now, because I don't love it now. But I loved back then. I really liked the un the first Underworld movie. <laughs> And like, yeah. I can't even appreciate it now mm. as a guilty pleasure. You know what? I say that. <laughs> I have not seen that in a very long time. So I maybe, either. maybe I could watch it now and appreciate it as a guilty pleasure. You know what I mean? As just cinematic nonsense that just doesn't make me want to die. <laughs> you know? Um, but like back then I liked it because it was like, you know, they were being edgy and wore a lot of leather and shit. Like, I mean, I'll say this. This is how fucked up my movie taste was back in the day. I liked Matrix 2 and 3 back in the day. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I can't believe I'm admitting this, but I did. You know, Because of the leather. <laughs> yeah. I really liked leather back in the day. <laughs> but I was a poor little white kid, you know? So, you know what? I didn't have leather. <laughs> I had like one sheepskin leather jacket that was too big for me when I was 16. Because, you know, my parents got it too big for me because I was 16. I was obviously going to grow like a lot more, you know, so they didn't want to get it too small, you know, for my sheepskin leather. So it wasn't even like real leather leather. It was sheepskin leather, which, yes, is leather. But, you know, it's really just one step above pleather. <laughs> I mean, dude, I used to love like all those, you know, those like fucking button up flame shirts and shit. Man, I love the fuck out of those. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I was a little fucking chode, is what I'm saying. I mean, the only reason why I didn't have, like, stupid Oakley sunglasses is because I had actual glasses and couldn't wear Oakleys. Yeah. I don't know how the fuck I ever got a girlfriend in high school. I looked like just <laughs> every ass hat that should be avoided. But, yeah, and so the, and the reason why I bring all that up is that's when this movie came out. I was 16 and acting like an ass hat. So I did not appreciate this movie as much as I do now. Like now you watch this movie and you see it for what it is. I mean, it's fantastic direction, 
even editing, like Jasmine stated, fantastic editing, uh, amazing costume designing, just phenomenal acting from like top to bottom, you know? And just back in the day, I just used to see it as just a bunch of fucking singing and shit. I'm glad I've changed. I mean, a little bit. So you're saying you weren't, you weren't into musicals when you were younger either then? Well, at that time, no, but I still saw it back then because I'm not a complete degenerate like you. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) I mean, in a lot of ways, a lot of people would still probably call me a chode or an asshat now, but for completely different reasons. It can't be because I my affinity of wearing flame shirts like it was back in the day. I mean, do you remember those guys? Just how incredibly shitty yep. they looked. <laughs> yeah, like I remember those. <laughs> how every one of those shirts looked like the the tattoos on around the wrist of the the guy from Lincoln Park. What's his name? Chester. Like they all mm-hmm. looked like his like flames that he had around his arms. Like they all looked like that. All of them. And somehow I thought if I had two or three different ones, they that they looked different. They didn't. It was just the same bullshit. Oh man, you remember those like those like bucket hats, those like mm-hmm. fisherman hats when you would just like like have them all the yep. way down. I mean, pretty much how everybody dressed in the live action Scooby Doo movie, like that bullshit. Yeah, God, fuck all that, man. That was definitely two thousands for sure. Oh, so fucking terrible. I am so glad we are not that shitty anymore. I know there's like differences and all this other stuff that, you know, maybe 20 years from now, they'll think the way we dress now is shitty. But when you really look back on it, can it really get any shittier than that? Oh, man. <laughs> it was a bad time for fashion. Oh, man. It's just like when Justin and Brittany wore fucking like complete denim outfits to like the MTV Awards. Yeah. What the fuck was wrong with us? Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you remember every suit jacket used to be nine miles long? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it looks so bad and you look at like fitted suits now and you're like this is so much better but everybody did it back then i mean there are pictures of like lebron james back then doing that shit and i go at least lebron did it too i don't feel as much of a chump since lebron did it also <laughs> <laughs> oh but we all looked bad every damn one of us yeah like i think back on like um Back when, like, because, okay, Will Smith is a really good dresser, but back then, suits, the suits that he wore, it was like, what is this suit? It doesn't fit you. Like, yeah, I I completely understand. And it's just one of those things. You look back at what the fuck was going on in America then, and a film (laughs) studio had the audacity and the gumption to release this gem of a movie. And like Justin said, it holds up very well. True. It does, yeah. There's nothing about this movie that feels dated. Um, outside of the slight resolution. Um, but, I mean, if that's the only real quip I have to show that it's a slightly dated, is I, I could notice some resolution issues in something like this versus something made now. It just shows it's a quality movie, though. No, that's a very good point. I'm not saying that that's my only gripe with it, but I'm just saying that's the only thing that really dates it. Other than, the you know, the people in it, you know? Like, like you guys were saying that Richard Gere is not old man gear. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, and it just really speaks to how well this movie's done. That if they made this movie now, it wouldn't be better made. That's very true. You know, so kudos to them for that. So anyway, uh, let's go ahead. Uh, recommendations and scores. Yep. Yep. Recommendations. Recommendations. 
and score. I like that we have a stinger for that. Can't lie. Mm-hmm. Um, Heather, you go first. Yeah, I definitely do have to recommend this. I mean, it's just a really well-made movie. Like, it, I think what we were just saying is a very good point. Like, y- it doesn't feel dated. You you wouldn't know that that movie is almost, what, 20 years old? <laughs> That's crazy. Like, you would not know that at all based on how it's made, the production of it, the direction of it, the creativity of it, the costumes, everything about it is just very kind of, I don't know if I, I mean, you could kind of say timeless because again, like, I mean, you can watch this 20 years later and just not realize how long ago it was made. Um, and it does still hold up. I think, um, I actually really enjoyed the parts when they did like the stage, the stage music, you know, like they, they were doing a stage with the musical number. I actually thought that was really creative to do in the middle of the story. I get why doing it all the time would not be very well received or appreciated, but the way they did it with this movie was so good. It was very creative. It kind of set it apart. Um, and it just kind of set up the stage for like, it almost felt like the stage portion of it is showing sort of the mindset of the people who are singing, you know, you feel like you're in their head when they're doing those numbers because of the the stage production that's going on when they do it. So I just really think it was very creative and cool how they did it in this movie. Um, yeah. And it's just a really well-told story. It's not too long. It's paced really well. Again, the acting is great. It's a captivating story. It's got a, a little bit of everything in there for you. And I mean, even as somebody who, again, I didn't, you know, grow up watching musicals. I wasn't the biggest fan of musicals until more recently. And I super enjoyed it. So I just think that it can be appreciated and enjoyed by a lot of people. So yeah, I definitely would have to recommend it. I totally get why it got as much recognition as it did um, with like Oscars and Golden Globes and, you know, awards stuff that it got. I totally understand why. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really good movie and I'm really glad that I ended up watching this. So yeah, I definitely would recommend it. I will give this movie, um, I'll give it 80 Tay Diggs not being utilized for his smooth voice in a musical. That's great. Out of a hundred. I mean, that's a very point, uh, poignant point there, Heather. I mean, they also vastly underutilized the Tay Diggs. How do you have a Tay Diggs sitting there and you just don't use them all the time? <laughs> oh, Honestly, that was my only real, like, like, he's a big deal and his voice is amazing. Like, why would you not use him? <laughs> oh, no, I get it. Justin, go. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just unfortunate that he had the role that he had. Um, because even in the Broadway play, which I did, which I was fortunate enough to visit New York. And of course, when I saw that it was playing, I oh, had cool. to go. So, yeah, I still got my little, uh, pamphlet and whatnot from that. But, uh, that's but awesome. even in that, yeah, like even in that, um, that role was very small. So it just kind of sucks that they did get Tay Diggs for which he was very good in the part that he had. But yeah, you you kind of almost wish that maybe they had just chosen somebody like maybe <laughs> uh, 
maybe somebody of not of his status, but could still do it because, yeah, it it, it feels like um, it, it, you do feel like, man, I wish that he could have got to do more or I wish he was more in more scenes. So I totally get that. I think that that's a um, that that's a solid point. Um, I mean, man, I mean, I, I give this the highest recommendation and kind of just to what some of what Sterling was talking about. Um, you know, musicals, especially live action musicals, wasn't really something that, that I was into early when I was watching movies and stuff like that. And, you know, like, uh, you know, when you're boys and you're hanging out with a bunch of guys and stuff like that, and y'all are going and watching movies and stuff like that. I think that live action musicals were kind of more considered like, I guess they were kind of thrown in the category of chick flicks or, you know, this is more appealing to women and stuff like that. Or at least that was kind of, I guess, the pulse that I was feeling growing up. Like, you know, these movies were not movies that guys watched. You know, that's kind of just at least that's how um, I always kind of felt, you know, and even like now, if I'm talking to certain people and I'm like, yeah, man, have you seen this? It's a musical. It's really good. And they're like a musical. You like musicals? Like sometimes I still get reactions like that from guys, <laughs> you know? Oh, no, Justin, um, you were you you were absolutely right. I mean. I, the reason why I watched this back in the day in theaters is because my girlfriend wanted to go see it. Okay. See, so see, that's not like a, a, a crazy notion. So yeah, you know, this was not anything I was checking out. And it's weird because, um, because you would think growing up with so many Disney movies. And I mean, it used to just be that every Disney animated movie you saw was a musical. That's what it, they were. They were animated musicals. But I don't know. I guess it's just something about the fact that it's animated, the fact that it's a cartoon, the fact that, you know, I guess we just allow animation to get away with more things or it's not seen as a bad thing because that's just what Disney did. So it was OK. You could like The Lion King, but if you like Chicago, you know, a guy looks at you funny. And that's so like <laughs> hypocritical. But that is kind of the way things were, you know, you could be like, oh, yeah, man, the Lion King. Yeah, move, you know, every guy will agree with you. Oh, yeah, man, the Lion King is wonderful. It's great. It's awesome. And then when you're like, yeah, man, Chicago, you may not get as many guys saying that. <laughs> and that's just the the truth of it. So, yeah, this was not anything that I was just flocking to the movies to go see. I just was fortunate that. Um, and I, and I want to say this came out or at least I saw it. I, I don't think I saw it in the theaters, but I did see it because a friend recommended it. And this friend at the time, he was a college friend and he was an actor, you know, he was, um, a, a dramatic actor and things like that. And, you know, and I guess I was lucky in that way. I had a couple of friends that were into acting and had, you know, had done, stage performing and different things like that. And when you're a performer, you just appreciate different things. You see the beauty in visual storytelling and you see more than just what is quote unquote guys are supposed to look at. 
you're not looking at that. You can kind of appreciate these things more. You're probably a little more mature to movies like this uh, than I was at the time because they just were in that. They were doing this. They were in it. They were studying these movies, stuff like that. So I was lucky, man. My taste in movies changed a lot when I met people who were actually performers. And now that in a way, I mean, with me doing wrestling and stuff, I'm kind of a performer now. So I just have a completely different look. I just see different things now when I watch movies. I just see them with a different pair of eyes. And this movie is just like I said, it's just really one of those movies that truly is a masterwork. Like regardless of, I think that even if you're just a casual fan, there are so many good things about this and so many things to enjoy. You talked about the fact that if it was made now, it wouldn't need to be made any different. And I agree with that. As a matter of fact, I think it would be very successful now. You know, right now, Hollywood's big on female empowerment and things like that. And that's what this movie is. You know, it's two females that were, they may not be the best of people. You know, they're obviously kind of conniving, ruthless people. But it, 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 but still, even at that time, it was a breath of fresh air to see two women get to be the villains. They get to be the gangsters. They get to be the robbers. They get to be the the go-getters in this story. And they still, you know, and we get to enjoy them and be compelled by them and their story and what they're going through. And so that almost just means that this was ahead of its time. Because if this came out now, I think it would just be right there with kind of the 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 female empowerment that we're trying to push more of now in Hollywood. So in that way, it was ahead of its time. Uh, and and so yeah, man. I mean, this I I could just talk for hours about this, so I'll stop it here. But yeah, man. I mean, I recommend the hell out of this. I'm only giving it minus five points because there were musical numbers that weren't in this that I did see in the Broadway musical, and I just wish that it had the complete musical play. So since it it is missing some numbers, I will give it uh, a few minus points for that. But really, that's my only real complaint about this. I think this is wonderful. Anytime I go back and watch this, I enjoy it. I have a great time. And like I said, it's a masterwork of acting, directing, editing, costumes, just all of it, dude. This is this is one of those Oscar movies that deserved it. Like I said, they don't always get it right, but every now and then they get it right. And they definitely got it right with this one. So we're going to go with 95 um, members of the media being manipulated by puppet strings by Billy, Richard Gere's character, as they sing. Oh, yes, they both. Oh, yes, they both. Oh, yes, they both. Oh, yes, they both reach for the gun, the gun, the gun, the gun. Oh, yes, they both reach for the gun, for the gun out of a 100. This shit is awesome. <laughs> that was a pretty cool scene. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought a lot of that up, Justin. Like I said, I, I saw this movie in theaters because my girlfriend at the time wanted to go see it, you know, and I kind of had the same thing as you, Justin, when it came to like my taste in movies changing. Uh, not necessarily because I knew somebody that's an actor, but 
just in general in college, you know, um, the movies I was willing to watch in college changed and it greatly like changed my taste in movies. Mm. And, you know, I'm like thinking back on it, like, was it 2005, 2006 is when like, like Brokeback Mountain came out and I would have never seen that movie in 2002. Yeah, I get that. It just kind of makes you wonder, like, how many movies did I miss that were great just because of, like, the mentalities that uh, we had, especially back then, you know? Like, you were talking about, like, musicals, yeah, like, a guy didn't see musicals, you know, unless they were, uh, you know, a theater guy, which growing up in Midland, Texas also meant other things that they were (laughs) trying to call you. Yeah, and you know. And that's just the unfortunateness of it. Because now, I mean, one of my essentials that we'll get to at one point uh, is the movie version of Rent. And if I'd kept that mentality, I would have never seen that. And to me, it's one of my essentials. And I mean, I've got a fucking Rent lyric tattooed on my back. You know, like, it's just crazy how, like, what I would have missed if I'd never gotten out of that, you know. And I and I do, I think, I, I totally agree, Justin, that it's, it's crazy how, you know, you could be a 16-year-old guy in Midland, Texas in 2002 and start singing Hakuna Matata, and everybody would think it's great. Yeah, no one bats mm-hmm. an eye. You can start yeah. singing all yep. that jazz, and they start throwing a lot of homophobic language at you. Yep. And, you know, and I unfortunately to say, there's a good chance in 2002 I would have done the same damn thing, as shitty as it is. Uh I'm just glad I'm not that way now, you know, that I did. Yeah. I grew up and I changed and my tastes and things have changed, you know, because so many things like as much as I don't like Johnny Depp anymore, Sweeney Todd is a good musical movie. Uh, like I said, one yeah. of my favorites all time is Rent. Um, another one I absolutely love now that I would have never seen if, you know, if it wasn't for other things is Dreamgirls. Oh, I yeah. fucking love Dreamgirls. Oh, Dreamgirls, great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Like, all this shit I would have missed out on. Like, if mentalities and stuff hadn't changed. I mean, you know, and fortunately, you do have things like nowadays, like Hamilton, that's making, like, musical theater cool and shit. And don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I love Hamilton. I think it's great. I think what they've done to introduce just people of color into a predominantly white industry and just saying, nope, that's not how this is going to be. And then become one of the biggest Broadway plays of all time is fucking fantastic, you know? But then, like, I look back on it, like, one of my favorite musicals out there also is Wicked. Oh, God, I love Wicked. I know almost every damn song in Wicked. And that's because, yeah, things changed, you know? And it's just, yeah, nowadays, and maybe that's why, like, going back and watching Chicago now, because I had seen it maybe twice before now, once in theaters when it originally came out, and I thought it was dumb. And then probably in 2008 or so, I watched it again and I liked it, but I was just like, yeah, it's good, whatever, you know, but like now looking at it, like I appreciate it for what it is. And I'm not gonna lie, Justin, I, I, I'm kind of thankful that this is on your list because it made me watch it again. And my appreciation for it is vastly more than what it was. So I, I do commend you for that, Justin. And cool. You know, and it's like, I went and so I looked, I went and looked it up and it's just really, it's really crazy what the Academy Awards does. Um, so back in the day when this movie came out, 
was also the year Gangs of New York came out. And to me, Gangs of New York should have just won every award ever that year. <laughs> Gangs, yeah, we were big on Gangs of New York, man. Yeah. Oh, we were so high on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For real. The fact that Daniel Day-Lewis still didn't win for Bill the Butcher does kind of drive me nuts a little bit. But Yeah, that's ridiculous. But this was also the year Adrian Brody won for The Pianist. And oh, that's a wonderful movie. It is. Oh, my gosh. But do you know I'm in the Ball. Halle Berry won that year, I think. No, no, that was the year after. But yeah. Um, yeah, this was the year Nicole Kidman won for The Hours. Right. Yeah. Um, but, oh, I'm not going to lie. When this movie won Best Picture, I was mad. It beat Gangs of New York. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this was the year, like, of The Pianist with Adrian Brody. And it's one of those things, like, he was, back in the day, this was a great movie. I'm not going to lie, I'll never watch it again. But I had seen it, like, I didn't see it that year, don't get me wrong. In 2002, I would have hated The Pianist. Um, I think I saw it in, like, 2007, 2008 also. And it was good. It's a very good movie. Adrian Brody is really great in it. But at the same time, do you know what I've never thought since that movie? Adrian Brody is a what? good actor. <laughs> It's only because you're thinking of him in the village. I know that that's what that is. I'm thinking of him <laughs> in a lot of movies. He has not been good since that movie. His best performance since that movie is in uh, Robert Rodriguez's Predators. Yeah, I agree. I liked him in that movie. <laughs> Outside of that, he's been shitty in everything else. And a <laughs> shitty human being on top of that. But uh, is he? I didn't know that. He's just he, what did he just, do? he was just a gigantic asshole. It, it don't maybe oh. I phrased that wrong. He was just shitty to people, you know. I haven't heard anything like I guess nowadays our version of what a shitty celebrity is is vastly different because they do like deplorable things. He was just the type of guy that if you went up like, hey, can I have an autograph? He'd be like, fuck you, I'm famous. <laughs> like that was the type of shit that like yeah. now if he has done something else. I don't know about it, but I'm just saying he was just kind of a stuck up shitty person, you know? Got it. Yeah. Um, Which used to be, do you remember back in the day when that was what shitty celebrities were? They were just assholes if you asked them for an autograph. Yep. Simpler time. Yeah. yeah. Now they're all shitty because they're abusive or sexual predators or all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh, God. Choke women. Yeah. Yeah. And don't yeah. get me wrong. This I know that they were fuckers back then doing it, too. We just didn't know. Now we know how dark it really gets. The bar is yeah. just oh, a little yeah. highly, high, highly set now. Yeah. Like, I just wish shitty celebrities still meant they were just assholes to people. God. For the longest time, that's why I had a big problem with Russell Crowe is because he was just that guy that would start fights at bars. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I'm just like, yeah. you know what? He's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. He just, you know, he'd get in drunken fights with other guys. Right, yeah. Like I know he was accused of by there was a model that accused him of biting her, but then there was like eighty other people at that party that was like, "What the fuck is she talking about?" Right. They were like, he, "Yeah, he they, would fight other guys at bars, and they were both drunk, and they were just fighting, and that's just what it was." Yeah. But you know, or now like, I'm just like, you know what? He's all right. <laughs> or they would like push a paparazzi. Yeah, like oh, get God. out of my face. Yeah. God, I wish that's what our shitty celebrities were now. Right. They get in drunken bar fights with other like people of the same gender or just however you want to look at it and or just beating up paparazzi. God, those were the glory days. We took those days for granted, guys. Let's be real. And the funny thing is, like nowadays, 
like getting the paparazzi out of your face or out of your family's face is actually like considered being a good celebrity now. Like you hear about like Steve Carell always being like, you know, this is my family. Don't come near me right now. I don't want to like expose my children to this. Like that's like a good thing now. You know, it's weird. It's crazy. All right. We're way off from Chicago, but yes. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's all my fault. Well, actually, I was going to add one thing to that, and that's like another great thing about this movie and why I think it's timeless, because it warns about how easily audiences are so razzle-dazzled and they can't tell who from what and how easy it is for us to kind of idolize bad people. It warns about that in this movie, you know, it kind of talks about that in this, how easily, you know, like, uh, I mean, I know it's probably more spoiler section stuff, but, you know, towards the end when Renee kind of looks at the camera and looks at the audience and says, we couldn't have done this without you, you know, that's kind of one of the allegories of this movie is that these were terrible people, but they but we got but they but they're but they're attractive they're they're whimsical they're they're sexy they're charismatic and we get razzle dazzled all the time into idolizing people that maybe we shouldn't so again you know that's that's why i love this movie man that that's why another reason why it's so great you know what justin that's why you get paid the big bucks you took my garbage ass tangent and full circled it into this movie. Thank you. Gotcha. I'm winking. I wish you could see it. <laughs> but back to this movie, because my whole point in saying all that was, though, that like when this movie came out, I'm sad I didn't appreciate it. I probably would have watched this movie more than I have had I seen it for what it was back then. And like looking back on it, as mad as I was back then, in 2003, when the Academy Awards happened for this, and I was mad. Don't get me wrong. I still think Daniel Day-Lewis got jobbed because Bill the Butcher was amazing. But I see why this won Best Picture. This was the best picture back then. Like, it was. And I'm glad we can look back on it. And like you said, Justin, the Academy got it right. So good job. Good job, Academy. And I do. I So I recommend this movie. Um, I'll give it... I'll give it 92. No, 93. 93. That's where I'm settling. 93. Catherine motherfucking Zeta Jones out of 100. Mmm, Catherine. Anyway, spoilers? Yep. Yeah. Spoilers. All right, Justin. It's your movie. Go. Oh, my gosh. Where to even freak it begin? Okay. I'll try to um, not just hog all the time and just, just talk about... I guess just some of my favorite musical numbers and just um, some of my favorite moments just in the film, because this is kind of, I mean, man, it's it's just so hard to like find a starting point, but like just things that stood out to me visually Um, that uh, cell block tango that you were talking about, that uh, that was a great like visual number, man. I just loved everything about that number the women telling their stories and like how you were talking about kind of the transitions from going to the stage and then going to real life but what i loved about this film 
is how they juxtaposed those two two things a lot of the times. Sometimes you would be in an actual jail cell and then there would be um and, and so then you know we're talking as if we're in real time with the characters. But then and then it would cut as they're saying something, it's cutting to show like a visual dance representation of that and their performers. But then sometimes the performers from the stage would suddenly be there where we were in real life and they would just be standing there or somebody would be doing something or something like that. And then we would cut back and we would be performing again. They do so many like cool juxtapositions like that. And it just almost made it seamless from when it was going from the stage to this. And I just love how they did all of that. Like, but that musical number, um, when everybody is kind of telling their stories and just some of the things they did visually, like using the red cloth to kind of represent the death of the husband or the person that they killed and stuff like that. So they're, when they're telling this story, all of a sudden you see a red cloth where the fatal blow was or whatever. And then just some of the lines and stuff that like the women would say, like, you know, uh, you know, he was so distraught that he ran into my knife 10 times, <laughs> you know, just like, you know, I, I mean, there were just all always so many interesting lines and just they they just told um, this story in a, such an entertaining way. And like and, and even during that musical number, you know. He had it coming, dude. He had it coming. And like I loved when the all of the the dancers were on the stage and then in the background you've got these silhouetted dancers and they're behind cell blocks and there's like two floors of them and there's just this red light kind of illuminating the silhouettes of those people. And so they're dancing in the background and that was just a beautiful scene. So th- that was just one that I remember that stood out to me. But I think uh, when I think about it, and I mean, there are just so many great musical performances, but my favorite one has to be uh, Richard Gere, Billy's, um, the not the introduction one, though the introduction one was great, but the one where he's talking about um, where he's got Renee Zellweger and it's like he's a ventriloquist and she's, like a marionette and he's and as the media's talking it's him directing her on what to say i freaking loved that scene uh they both reached for the gun that that was my favorite scene because i loved how just like all the visual representations like one minute where we're we're out on the street and all the media's there before roxy hart and she's and Richard and Billy, and they're kind of giving the story of what's going to happen with this trial. But then we do these quick cuts back and forth, and then we're on stage, and all of these reporters are hanging by strings. And, and like, it was so cool. Like, when one of them would talk and their line was done, they would then droop back lifelessly, almost like they were a puppet again, or they turned back into a puppet. And then, you know, Richard Gere would be talking, kind of mumbling, manipulating kind of what Renee is saying. And all of that was just such great visual storytelling. Then when he was done talking for Renee, Renee would then droop down lifelessly like she was a puppet. 
I just loved everything about that scene. And then finally at the end, when the manipulations start working and he's like, okay, everybody say they both reach for the gun. And I loved how as he told them what to say, all of a sudden, all the media people, oh, yes, they both. Oh, yes, they both. And then it pans up and he's got control of. And then it was like Billy had control of everybody. And he's just controlling them as they're saying they both reach for the gun. And then that transitions to a scene with newspapers. And it's like, you know, Roxy and, you know, they both reach for the gun. Roxy Hart. I just loved how it would do that, how it would just juxtapose all of these scenes and everything that was happening. Um, so like that was just something that stood out to me. And just like the, the quick cut editing and stuff that they would do constantly in this movie. Another favorite like edit cut of mine was, um, whenever like, uh, John C. Riley, uh, Mr. Cellophane is, um, testifying in court. And he's there before Richard Gere. And before that, Richard Gere did the Razzle Dazzle song with all of these performers and stuff. And they're all dressed in red, kind of like uh, showgirl performers. And they're all dressed in red and everything like that. And he's talking about, give them the old Razzle Dazzle. They'll never know the truth from a lie. All of that good stuff. Well, what was cool was like, after that number is done, and now we're in court and we're at the trial. And there was a part where he was manipulating the judge. And so the judge is kind of getting confused or whatever, or the judge kind of, I, I think he was like objection. And the judge is like sustained. And then the other lawyer was like, man, uh, judge, I didn't even ask the question, your honor. And then, um, and then when it cuts back to the judge, those performers are, are, are sitting there next to it. And it's just kind of showing Billy's influence, but doing it in such a visually cool way. I loved how suddenly those performers were there. And then the judge said something, and then we cut back to the judge, and they're not there anymore. But I love that. And then it happened again when he was talking to John C. Riley. Like they were talking about uh, him and Roxy, and he was like, So, uh, so what you wanted to do, you didn't get to do it. And then John C. Riley was like, Uh, wait, no. Um, yes, I did. He was like, but you didn't. And he was like, wait, well, I didn't what? And he goes, what you wanted to do? And then he's like, um, I'm getting confused. And so it was cutting back and forth between him and Richard Gere. But on that line where he said, um, I'm getting confused. All of a sudden, one of those showgirl performers was next to him with her hand around his shoulder. And she's there just like, and I mean, that was so freaking cool. And she's there in court with them. Then it cuts back again and she's not there. And then it's Richard Gere talking about. And then, of course, that was the representation that the manipulation had happened. And, of course, he kind of used uh, John C. Riley to further help uh, Roxy Hart's case. So, like, all of that stuff, man, mixing these things together, they they just did it so seamlessly. And it just created just such a great cinematic flow. So I just appreciated all of that, man. And like, uh, um, you know, and, and like everybody's individual numbers. I liked uh, Queen Latifah's number two. And like, even then there was some cool stuff going on there. Like how, and even like the contrast of what was happening in real life versus what the performer was singing, even that stuff was cool. Like in Queen Latifah's, you know, she's like, you be good to mama. 
mama's good to you and oh, I care about you and all of this stuff and mama will be good to you. Then it cuts to them in the jail as she's talking to them, like introducing herself to them. And she's like, you know, if you got problems and you got and you're in your feelings and you got these things you want to say, don't bring your fat ass mouth to me because mama doesn't care about that. When just a second ago, she's singing, going, mama cares yeah. about you. Then they, so that was just great. Like you're laughing, you're you're listening to the lyrics and you're seeing this and you're laughing, you're having a good time. Then it explains how she will be good to you. And then you see Catherine Zeta-Jones hand her a dollar um, in jail. She hands her a dollar. She takes it, sticks it in her bra. Then we're back on stage with her singing. And then she pulls out a green cloth to represent that money. And she's talking about, you take care of mama, you pepper my rangoo. Mama will pepper you back. And she's got this green cloth to represent that money. And like, man, it, it, it's weird to kind of explain it and talk about it like in play for play. But when you see all of this put together, it just it just makes for such an entertaining way to tell the story. And there are just not a lot of musicals that do this successfully. I feel like this is just one of those where they did everything right, man. Like that that seamless transition from stage performing to what you're actually seeing happening was just like flawless in this movie. And then I liked how this movie was about a bunch of morally gray kind of characters who really weren't the best of people. Um, I liked how they were playing the game. And this game is full of people who are manipulators and it's very cutthroat and it's like a doggy dog world in this show business. But I liked how they weren't like squeaky clean characters. There wasn't this typical musical character where they're starry eyed and they've got a dream and they're hopeful and they're just perfect and they don't make any mistakes really. And they, they go through this journey and at the end they get it and they triumph and their eyes are, they're always looking up happy and their eyes are starry. Like a lot of times I think there are kind of cliches with musicals, but this didn't have that. You know, these characters are not the best of people, but that was kind of, so that made it kind of more appealing. It made it seem like they just weren't cliches. Like you didn't feel like they were just these paper thin characters. They, some, they were very complex. They showed every emotion. You know, there was lying, cheating, and manipulating, but then there were times where there was genuine sadness and you kind of were compelled about what the character was feeling. So I think all of that is kind of um, encapsulated in this movie. So yeah, man. And then, uh, you know, and then just some of the minor characters like John C. Riley, that Mr. Cellophane performance is so damn good, man. Like, he was just magnificent in that. And that's a character, you just felt so sorry for that character. I mean, that character is just ragdolled this whole time and cheated on and everything like that. And it's just a very sad, like, unfortunate character. But that, but that's what happens to good people sometimes in this environment, you know? It, it just, 
That's what happens. You know, he deserved to win. He was a good guy, man. He was a good husband and he didn't deserve that. But that's what can happen in this kind of environment. And like I said, I won't re repeat everything again, but just that final music number and just how I felt after that and just that warning about how we idolize bad people. And that's very much something that is kind of ingrained in our culture, in our history. We just kind of have a tendency to glamorize these criminals, these serial killers, these mobsters. Um, you know, you talked about this was in the time of Al Capone. So it was just very fitting that that kind of message was in here. And so, yeah, man, I mean, this movie just not only is it entertaining, not only was it a lot of fun, but it just had so uh, much to say. And so it's just something where you, it's a treat for you philosophically. It's a treat visually and artistically. It's just um, uh, j just a great film, man. So, yeah. I mean, I probably have more, but I'll let somebody else go. <laughs> Heather, what about you? Yeah, no, I definitely um, see what you mean about all of these things. I think it's it's just one of those movies where it's entertaining and it's it's also there's something about just like the um, just the essence of it being like, well, this is what happens in Chicago. This is what happens with this. If you want this lifestyle, this is what you risk. You know what I mean? And I just really like how they did that, where it was such an up and down, like, journey for uh, Roxy, you know, where she's just like, she wants to be somebody. She wants to be noticed. She wants that attention. And then she gets it for like a minute. And then it's suddenly on somebody else. And she hates that. And so she does what she can to get that attention back. You know, she's just basically looking out for herself. She doesn't care what she's done to her husband. She doesn't care about, you know, what she's done to anybody else. It's really just like, I want people to love me. I want people to pay attention to me. And, you know, it's just in general, those are qualities that you're just like, that's terrible. <laughs> like, she was a terrible wife, you know, <laughs> she was just a terrible person. But for whatever reason, like, just... You you want to hear her side of the story. You want to, you just want to see where this journey is going to take her and if she's actually going to make it. Like, they just make you care about the characters, even if you don't actually care about them. You know what I mean? It's very interesting. But I think that just speaks to kind of the writing of the characters of this. And, um, you know, I really do just have to give such a spotlight to Captain Zeta-Jones, though, because, I mean, her character is so, like... She's such a sociopath, you know, and but there's something about that that is so intriguing with her character, like that sociopathic way about her helps her just become this almost like, you know, untouchable character of a person like she's just, you know, she's just kind of almost seems like not human because of the way she carries herself and just the, you know, mentality that she has of like, I'm going to make it, I'm going to be on top. I'm going to do what I need to do. Nobody's going to stand in my way. And it's just so funny to me and interesting how with each of these characters, they all have these really just depraved and not great parts about themselves, <laughs> but there's, 
but just seeing like that you you want to see their journey you want to see what happens with them and you kind of root for them or you're kind of just like you know oh i want um roxy and Catherine zeta jones's character to you know or what is her name velma yeah i want roxy and velma to do a show together i'd love to see that like you know what i mean you just you're kind of just on board for the ride no matter what and it's just the attestment to the storytelling that they do here and um just man yeah the costumes and the musical numbers and the one you were talking about Justin where you know everyone's puppets on a string that was super super creative and it was a very very good scene i really liked that number because it's i mean that is and and it, it kind of is like that you know like you're telling the story of what's happening and you're telling the story of these you know death row or whatever inmates (laughs) but it's on the backdrop of they're all broadway stars (laughs) like anytime they're talking in their minds or in their in in what they're telling and in their part of the story they're all just these broadway stars telling their story and i just think it's such a cool way to do that and i just can't speak enough to just how how well it's done because i i mean there's attempts to do it and Maybe like Sterling said, because it was a movie based off of a stage play, you know, maybe it's maybe because of that um, transition and maybe because that's what it's based on, they can get away with that kind of thing and it works, but it doesn't always work. Like, I can't imagine, you know, one of my favorite musicals is Hairspray. I can't imagine Hairspray doing that kind of thing and it working, (laughs) (laughs) you know? It's just the way they do it with this movie is it just really works. And um, I do think, yeah, one of my favorite scenes was the um, cell block tango. I thought that was amazing. And um, just how they do have these like intimate details of very small characters that aren't a big part in anything else of the show or the, the movie. But they they just they they don't linger on things you don't need to linger on but they also like it it's about a bunch of different people in chicago it's about a diff- bunch of different people in jail who need lawyers and have these stories of what's happened to them and it's just so entertaining to see it and like you said yeah when they're just like yeah, so I stabbed him 10 times, basically. Or, yep, I gave him poison. So, like, really just, like, revenge <laughs> mode, vengeance-style things with all these women. And it was funny. It was super funny. And, um, yeah, but it's just kind of, you, you get to see the backdrop also of these are the people that she's, you know, placed with. This These are her people now. <laughs> so, you know, it's... um. I don't know. I just, I I can't really think of anything bad necessarily that this movie's done other than how we said, you know, use Tay Diggs more. I mean, (laughs) that's kind of really my only complaint, but it's, um, and and they do have these really great musical numbers and they just go all out. Like as if you are watching a cabaret show and I do agree. I think Catherine Zeta-Jones, her, introduction to this movie in the first like few minutes is phenomenal 
I mean, because you just know it's about to be this big thing. Like when she's walking up the stairs and all this stuff and you don't even get to see her face until she walks out on stage and she's singing her number. You just know it's about to be a big deal. And they really just do that scene extremely well. Um, but yeah, it's it's just one of those very unique movies that it really had. I think I've said this about a couple of other movies we've seen, but it has the potential to not do a good job with its storytelling. There's potential for this movie to fail all over the place if they did not do it in the unique way they did, if they didn't do the direction the way it was done or the editing the way that it was done. I mean, even at the very end, like after the movie's done with and you're seeing the end credits where they're giving, you know, the cast names and stuff like that, even that whole, you know, like montage of stuff that they're doing is so cool. Like they just really... Everything they did was just on point and just fitting with the tone of the movie, but just very stylistic, I guess, is really the word for it. And they they had that throughout this entire movie and like just the the style and the fashion of the time. And, you know, it does have kind of like those deeper things about not really super deep, but I mean, you know, when when Renee Zellweger is just kind of like. So you got money for getting me my freedom. I have nothing now because nobody even cared after I got free because someone else had just committed a crime, you know? And it just, I just loved that part when he was like, well, you can't really be, you know, fresh blood or whatever it was he said, where he's like, you know, that's always going to be priority here. (laughs) Like anytime Mm -hmm. there's a new murder, hey, you know, that's what, that's what they're going to go after. So that's just the way it is. But just the fact that she's kind of in a prison of her own making at that point, because she's the one who kind of because you see the this woman who killed somebody right outside the courthouse or whatever, dressed like her, all these things. So it's kind of like someone else is taking the attention off of her who wanted to be like her. And Mm -hmm. it's just really ironic how that happened, you know, and you almost see glimpses of that too at the beginning when when uh, Roxy is watching uh, Velma on stage and just you can see that she's just like, I want to be her. I want to be up there and I want to be doing that. And they kind of ended up in the same place <laughs> and they had the same struggle where it was like, cool, like you're taking my spotlight and I want it back. And then both of them at the end end up like with nothing really. And they're both old news and nobody cares nobody really wants them there anymore and they're just they're one in the same even though they're complete opposites and they hate each other and yeah and then just yeah this the new the girl lucy Lou's character who came in you know because she killed three people and then the courthouse girl who killed somebody like just it did not take long at all for the focus to go off of them and it was the thing they strive for for so long And it's just crazy because it was like, I mean, they just went through all of that hell and all of that trouble and, you know, finagled everything they could to just win this case and make this happen. So she would have her freedom and the the lies about having a baby and all these things. And then immediately after she's like, okay, you know what? There's no baby. So go away. I don't want to be with you. I just want the attention. And they don't give they don't give that to me anymore so i have nothing basically is what it seems like and it's it's kind of crazy but it, it does kind of make you stop and think because you're just like well yeah 
that does happen. I mean, you know, when he was saying like, you're a flash in the pan, like no one's going to remember you in like a few weeks or whatever he said, like, that's true. (laughs) I think that's just very true in general. So I liked those little glimpses of reality that they kind of put in there, um, told in a very flashy way. (laughs) But I just, I like that they, you know, kind of put those little hard truths in there because you're like, yeah, that's very true. So yeah, I just, um, I, I really am so glad that I did watch this and finally saw it. And similar to Sterling and kind of what I said at the beginning, I feel like I appreciate this movie more now than I would have when it first came out. So I, I think it was very timely and when I watched it. And I definitely would not have any issues putting this on and watching it again. You know, I could totally see this being in kind of like a normal rotation of, yeah, I just want an entertaining movie to put on. So, yeah. Yeah. And that was a good point you made, like about the the whole thing about the flash in the pan and old news and our attention just immediately going to something else. And I mean, how relevant is that now? Like we go from one TikTok to one YouTube video to one thing, you know, something will be big news and it'll be attention, attention, attention. And then in a week, (laughs) nobody's talking about it anymore. You know, sometimes it just takes that quickly. We go, we move from the next thing to the other. And it's so difficult to stay relevant. You know, it's just really, that is like, very difficult to do so the people who are able to do it or content creators or whatever you want to call the people now or some of those people trying to do that that's a constant struggle to try to stay in the public eye and try to stay relevant and stuff like that and you know it's just all of those philosophies like you know uh, uh you know controversy creates cash you know you'd rather be, yeah. you know, if you can't be famous, then be infamous or, you know, just all of those little sayings of any publicity is good publicity. You know, it's just some of those timeless things that always seem to kind of creep up about our society when it comes to media, what's in and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, man, it, it's just more of those hard truths, uh, l- like you were saying. Um, And just before I let Sterling go, you reminded me of something else as you were talking. Another great thing about this is the dance choreography. Like there are memorable, like sometimes when you get to watching like musicals and stuff like this, you know, you may have, there may be some scenes that stand out to you and stuff like that. But this is one of the few where I was watching it. And there are just memorable things that the dancers Mm -hmm. do. Uh, that, that, that I just never forgot about because I haven't seen it since. One that stands out to me was Richard Gere. Um, in, in that scene where he's introduced and he's saying, all I care about is love or whatever. Well, it was so cool. Like when he got in his car. So we're in the real world. He got in his car. And then when we go back to the stage, the went, the dancers are the car. So like, it was so cool, like how he's going along and there are dancers rolling on the ground to represent wheels. And then he's walking along with the rest of these dancers and they are all a part of this car. Then he took some dancer's leg and he pulled it back like he was putting it in park. And then two dancers stepped to the side like they were a door 
and he walked out of them as if they were the vehicle. That was just badass. Like, that was so (laughs) freaking badass. And that's another thing that this film has. It just has choreography that you actually remember. Like, I remember us sitting through Cats, and we couldn't remember a damn thing about it. Like, about the choreography or anything (laughs) like that. And then this, like, we're 20 years later, and I will never forget that that scene with those dancers. So yeah. yeah, there's just all kinds of cool shit like that. I don't know what you're talking about, Justin. I remember all the choreography in cats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the weird thing about cats is cats was like one of the like weirdly like horniest movies ever with how they acted, but it wasn't sexy. Like this yeah. on the other hand is sexy. <laughs> so it works. That's, I mean, honestly, like it's just one of those things. I mean, I, I, I meant to bring that up earlier, too, was Cats. Like, as much as we have had some great stage adaptations <laughs> into film, what the fuck <laughs> happened with Cats? Is that really the right. play? Is it really? Is that really the play, Cats? Is it just like that? Is that the shit that people used to love on Broadway? Because what the fuck? <laughs> anyway, on to this movie. Uh... I do think it's funny, though, that you were talking about how, like, the characters in this were morally gray and stuff. Nah, they was all kind of shitty people. <laughs> I wouldn't even say morally gray. They was all kind of just shitty. With the exception of John C. Riley, He was the only non-shitty right. person in this. Just a wholesome, sad dude. That in the, in the, in the woman that got hung. Yeah. Because she was innocent. Um, yeah. Oh, man. That song, you know, the cell block tango. Oh, that's a very scary song for me because it's all he had it coming because he was chewing gum. I don't know if that's a euphemism for something else or whatever, but dear God, that's just scary. He's like, he had it coming. He chewed gum. Oh, man. Between that (laughs) and all the scary ass shows I've seen on the ID channel, how the fuck have I not been murdered? I'm sitting here going through a divorce and shit. And I'm like, how the fuck was I just not murdered? Um, I will say this, though. The only one in there that I truly felt had it coming was Catherine Zeta-Jones' husband. And that's just because apparently while she went to go get ice, him, her husband, and her sister decided to start fucking while she went to go get ice. Yeah, that's some dumb shit. He did have it coming (laughs) if he's doing that shit. Like, who the fuck thinks they can do a whole, like, fuck session real quick? And the amount of time it takes somebody to go get hotel ice. It's and not also, even... who does that to Catherine Zeta-Jones? You know what I mean? Well, it depends. <laughs> Is it a twin sister? Then I can't really blame him too much. <laughs> I'm just saying. If it's a twin sister, he could have at least had plausible deniability of, oh, shit, I thought it was you. <laughs> but no, like pretty much everybody in this movie was shitty, except John C. Riley. I, do, I don't think there, any of them were morally gray. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with every character being shitty. Especially in a Chicago movie. It's fucking 1920s, 1930s Chicago. If they're not corrupt, they ain't trying. (laughs) But you love depravity, so, you know. Yeah, I do. I love every bit of it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, maybe that's why I do love this city so fucking much. It just oozes corruption and shittiness. And I'm just like, thank you. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, it's, oh. Like, the more I think about it, though... I I can't believe Renee Zellweger got nominated for Best Actress in this. 
I know a lot of it probably had to do with Miramax promoting her as the lead actress. And like, I guess technically she's the main character, but of all the characters, she does the least <laughs> when it comes to, some, yeah, she sings some songs mm -hmm. and stuff like that, but she doesn't really do any of like, like Jasmine was saying, any of the dances or anything like that until the end. Yeah. And then yeah. I feel like yeah. they watered it down a little bit because Catherine Zeta showed she could do more than that. Yep. And maybe that's why I'm never the hugest fan of Renee, Renee Zellweger, because I just feel like in everything I've seen her in, she's never the best thing in the movie. So maybe that's Ooh. why she doesn't really stand out to me, you know? Oh, oh, I'm trying to think. I don't know if I can disagree with that. Because I was thinking... Even Bridget Jones's diary, you know man, what I mean? Colin Firth and Hugh Grant outshine her every step of the way in those fucking movies. Yeah. It's not like there's anything wrong with her acting. Like, she's very talented, but I just feel like she is always outshined by whoever she's with, you uh, know? Uh, well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Leo's a lot the same way. And I do think Leo has given us better performances than she has and still been mm. outshined. Oh, man. Maybe she was like the female equivalent of Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Like, it's, it, don't get me wrong. I've got nothing against her performance in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, same. With the elements of what this this movie is, she brought the least, you know? Catherine but had, she did a fantastic job. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I agree. But Catherine brought singing and dancing. Richard Gere. Like hardcore. Yeah, yeah. Richard Gere brought singing and dancing. Queen Latifah, I argue, brings more just because it's more of a surprise. Because at the time, we did not know that this was a possibility with Queen Latifah. Um, she's so amazing. I love her. She's John so great in her John role. C. Riley brings more than she does. And I mean, it's one of those things. She just kind of brings solid acting. Everybody else just brings solid acting and incredible dancing and incredible singing. That presence. They had just yeah. kind of a bigger presence yeah. than she did. And yeah, when I think about some of her other movies like... I, she wasn't the best in Cold Mountain. She wasn't the nope. best in Jerry Maguire. Oh, no. Oh, man. She wasn't My boy the best Cruz in... killed it in that movie. God. Yeah. And so did Cuba. Me, myself, Ooh. and Irene. Cuba killed it, too. Sorry, I'm still stuck on Jerry Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, me, myself, yeah. and Irene. She wasn't the best oh, yeah. in that. Jim Carrey kills it in that. So, hmm, Nurse Betty. Point there. Nurse Betty, I think Chris Rock steals that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, and I don't since I've thought about that movie, Nurse Betty. <laughs> That's that movie. Oh my! Um, I haven't seen Judy, the one that she won her award for. I imagine she probably is, you know, the focal point. <laughs> I just haven't seen it to know if anybody outshines her in that one. So, you know, you but, saw yes. that, didn't you, Justin? No, I have not seen that yet. I wanted to, but I never got around to that. I so. thought you did see it. I thought you did solo slayers on it. I don't know anything. Um, I mean, maybe she did. Maybe she outshines in that because maybe there's five people in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, and it's like I said, I've never really seen her turn in a bad performance. It's just there's always someone there doing better, you know, and, and yeah. kudos to her for also being in movies with other talented people, you know, and holding her own. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, she did like I'm not going to sit there and say she sucked in this movie. I'm just going to say Richard Gere, Queen Latifah, John C. Riley, and Catherine Zeta-Jones are my favorite people in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know? And and I mean, maybe that is the character of Roxy. I don't know. Because I haven't seen the play like Justin has. So I don't know if that is really just kind of the character of Roxy doesn't do the same elements that everyone else does. 
Maybe that's the case, and she just played the part 100% right. I don't know. Yeah. She oh, gets maybe one is... more. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I just remember she was in Cinderella Man and totally was outshined by Russell Crowe, obviously. Oh, but Russell Crowe anyway, killed it in that ahead. movie, too. I know. <laughs> He's so great in that. Yeah. But anyways, proceed. No. Um, yeah. Man, now you got me thinking about Cinderella Man. Um, but I think Roxy has maybe one more number, one more number than what you saw in the movie. So she got one more number that's not in this movie from what I remember from the Broadway musical. But no, it's pretty much kind of she's pretty much the same character that you saw. So not there wasn't much of a big change from her. Yeah, so her numbers weren't like yeah. So her numbers weren't dance heavy, where Mm -hmm. like Catherine Zeta's and and Richard Gere's were. No. Okay. And that's fine. So that means she played the role exactly. So it's not necessarily that we can even fault Renee for that, because maybe she could have, but the part didn't call for it. All I know is just when I watched this, she captivated me the least in a captivating way. If that makes sense. (laughs) Like I said, she did good. Like, it just kind of makes me wonder, though, too, because of, like, I wonder if that is intentional because her whole thing is, I want to be noticed, I want to be recognized. And then she ends up really never making it until the end anyway, but it's when she's with someone else. Like, I wonder if that's intentionally just how her character is supposed to be, where you're captivated enough, but she's never the one that you really want to pay attention to, you know? No, that's fair. You know, I get that. Like her character is really only captivating because of the trial, you know, where these other people are captivating because they're the people that she even wants to be. Yeah. Because they actually, they, yeah. But I will say this. I mean, oh man. And like Jasmine was talking about earlier. Oh, those dance numbers. Like Catherine Zeta Jones Mm -hmm. fucking murders this movie. You know, like I was talking about that one where she's talking about her and her sister's act. Dear God, she murders that dancing. That was the most memorable dance sequence in the whole thing, for sure. I don't know. That that Richard Gere tap dancing, when he's just, oh, man, that is iconic. He's drenched in sweat. Yeah. Drenched in sweat, man. And he's just, (laughs) that was was tight. That's true. I mean, I do. It's one of the most memorable, then. I do wonder, and maybe this is well known, and I just don't know it. I do wonder if that was 100% Richard Gere the whole time. And, I mean, either way. I appreciate that they did some far back shots where at least a lot of it was him for sure. You know, I just wonder if some of the times when they went to the feet only, if that was him. I mean, either way, I don't think it detracts necessarily from his performance because when it is pan back, some of my favorite ones are when, or when you see him doing it, when he's doing that side to side shuffle with his feet, he was just so clean with that, man. So good. And According I did, and I, to Google, it was um, it was all him. See, there you go. Whoa. There you wow. go. All right. I mean, it's one of those things, like I said, I, it wouldn't detract from his performance if it wasn't all him. But I'm not going to lie. It adds to it knowing it was. There you go. There you go, Richard. And I mean, I, so I love. So snubbed for that award, man. Yeah. He should have been nominated for something, at least nominated. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still think Daniel Day-Lewis should have won it regardless. But. It's one of those ones that if they had nominated Richard Gere and he had won it now, I wouldn't be disappointed. I'd be like, I mean, especially I think just because they should have won, but I'm not disappointed Richard Gere did. 
I'm kind of disappointed right. now at this point that Adrian Brody did. <laughs> I mean, I think also just because I feel like that is the most out of character character that Richard Gere has played, you know, and so probably doing just more acting than you've seen him do in other stuff. And that's the thing, though. He could have been doing Broadway in between movies for years. We just never knew, though. Yeah. Or at least I haven't cared to look it up, so I have no idea. Um, But yeah, even his introduction, I really loved that juxtaposition they did where his song is like, I don't care about money. I care about love. And then (laughs) everything he's doing was the exact opposite. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're such liars, man. They're all liars. (laughs) I, and I forget what movie it is, but they 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 call something moral turpentine. And I think that that is the essence of Richard Gere's character in this. <laughs> and I'm down for it. Oh, there's nothing that, more. Oh, that line. Oh, sorry. I have to cut you off for this one. That line when he was like, if Jesus Christ had been living today and he had $5,000, it would have been different. <laughs> that line. We'll man. see. And I love it, too. That because line. I do have such a love for this city of Chicago. And then he's like, yeah, if Jesus Christ lived in Chicago and had $5,000, it would have been a different story. I was like, that motherfucker. Oh, I love it. The gall of this man, the confidence of this man. God, I wish I could be this man. (laughs) God. Like, if I was a lawyer. That's what happens. (laughs) If I was a lawyer, I'd want to be him. But, like, I also love how... He actually very seriously took his job because at that one point when she's like, well, when I shot him and he's like, I don't want to hear that because he knew he could embellish aspects of her life, but ultimately he could not ask her to truly just go commit perjury. And that's what I kind of love is he, he, he skirted that line of legal ethics. Like with that doctor, when he's like, is she pregnant? And he's like, yes. And he's like, well, are you willing to testify to it? Yes. He knows she's not, but what did he do? He didn't go, come on, doc. Is she really? You know what I mean? All he yeah. all he did was go, a doctor said it and said he'd testify. That's all I need. He'd leave it at that. You know? Like, he's just skirted that legal ethics line. Like, I love how he's, like, willing to embellish parts of her life. And then she's like, well, when I shot the guy, he's like, I don't want to hear that. Because right. he couldn't knowingly let her go commit perjury. Like, I like that he was a sleazebag that still slightly respected the law. I always appreciate that in my, my, my movie and TV lawyers. And he just, I, I love how just very dramatic he is, like in the scene when they're, you know, telling their story that they told. And he's like, unbelievable. Or just really just so dramatic and into it when she's like telling her story of what happened. Like, <laughs> it's so funny to me. Oh, yeah. and what another thing that was excellent there in that court trial where, where what, what you're talking about, Heather. It was so cool because as he's going back and forth with Roxy and he's going, oh, my gosh, that was unbelievable. As he's after he says his line, the the camera is still on him as she's talking and you can see him mumbling what she was supposed to oh, say. I didn't know you could that. see him subtly. Yeah. Like he's like, oh, my gosh, that was unbelievable. Roxy, tell us what happened next. And then his mouth starts like mumbling like it was back it was a play back mm-hmm. to the whole marionette ventriloquist scene and you can see him mumbling slightly mumbling what she's saying and i just thought that was excellent shit man i don't know if richard gear was told to do that or if he kind of 
did that, but that was great. Like, I just loved how he did that. And it's just a subtle thing. But yeah, go back and watch that and you'll see him kind of mumbling what she's saying. It's great shit. It really is. You know, that in that ventriloquist scene, that number is probably my favorite part of Renee Zellweger's acting mm. is in that because she does a lot with just her facial expressions and her body movements in that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And that's just an incredibly well-crafted scene, too, when they're doing all that and then juxtapositioning it with the press conference. Mm-hmm. It's just a very well-shot yeah, it's scene. it's really good. You know? And, and then, Sterling, it's funny, too, because you talk about, like, um, you know, just <laughs> everybody just has really no moral compass. And the fact that even he was, like, so willing to set up that other lawyer and just, like, get him disbarred or anything just to, like, make his case and win his case. Like, and he just didn't care. Yeah. Man, I'm not gonna lie. If I was facing the death penalty, I'd want my lawyer doing that shit, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. But he just didn't what, even have any qualms about it. He was just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> and what was tight about that, too, is that he found a way to help Catherine Zeta-Jones. He found a mm-hmm. way to help Velma. He got them both out of jail at the same time. Like, like that's what, like, he still... Even though he had kind of forgotten about her and that Roxy was the hot ticket, he still found a way to get her out of jail. And it was all because of that diary that he crafted. And, you know, he was like, well, now we're both, you know, and then um, he's kind of like, well, you know, y'all are both out of jail now. Like he found a way because she was her his client, too. And he found a way to get them both off. You know, he still was thinking about his other client, you know. So, yeah. And so, if anything, that is the most moral thing that any most of the main characters did in that entire movie was mm-hmm. just keeping his word to her that he would not let her go to jail, too. I think that's the only time somebody in yeah. this movie wasn't a moral piece of shit was when he was still being a moral <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> but it's that moral piece of shit with a random heart of gold, if you will. I mean, <laughs> it, it just a lot of... And, I mean, the thing is, but with Richard Gere in this movie, is his just ability to tonally shift when needed was just amazing. I think, I mean, this is just one of those movies where, like nowadays, if you think about Richard Gere, you feel like you're looking really far back. And I know that this movie was still 20 years ago, but if you want one movie to encapsulate the magic that was Richard Gere's career, it's hard-pressed to beat this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pretty Woman is still up there, though. I mean... Yeah. And it's just yeah. because that movie is iconic, you know? And so, I think you if you wanted just to show somebody why everybody loved Richard Gere, you could show him Chicago or Pretty Woman. I mean, don't get me wrong. He has other performances that I think are fantastic, like uh, Officer and a Gentleman and stuff like that. He does... He has mm, that's good. amazing performances in other movies, but just something that truly captures like the magical obsession people have with Richard Gere. It's pretty woman or this for two totally different reasons, you know, in, in in pretty woman, you know, he's just charismatic and, and ultimately good hearted, you know what I mean? And and a sweet and endearing type of person and all this other stuff at times. And, and then in this one, he's just magically delightfully fucking morally bankrupt. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I want to be friends with that guy. I want to be friends with him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
God, I want to just go to a bar and drink a ton of gin with that man. It just sounds like <laughs> the time of your life. But I mean, I just, this movie uh, in general is just, it's, it's very simplistic, very straightforward, but it adds a lot of complexity from the directorial and editing standpoint. You know, everything about the story and the performances, everything's fairly straightforward, but the director and the, the editor of this did such an amazing job at crafting how things happened. You know, like I was talking about that, that scene with the, the, the marionette stage show and cutting it in and out of that press conference at the same time was fantastic. Just the way they did the cuts, they did the cuts at the right time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just so well shaped to add a, a very dramatic, like over the topness to that scene, you know, and the same with the tap dancing in the courtroom and, and what you were talking about earlier, Justin, with when he's doing the whole razzle dazzle thing and just the way it would like cut between people, you know, doing the normal court stuff, Yeah, you know, and then all of a sudden you would see one of those dancers because now they're all trapped in the razzle dazzle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that blazer that he was wearing that was amazing yeah and just and then the cuts when in that song when he's singing about all he cares about is love when it's like talking about how he doesn't care about the money and, <laughs> and then it's like fancy car i don't care about this immaculate suit and at a fancy party you know yeah <laughs> and then they're kind of showing you the same things on stage but stripped down to make it not seem like that like whenever all the women are around him and all this other stuff and they're making the car, you know, they're making the fancy car, but it just doesn't <laughs> feel like it when it's on stage, you know, and stuff like that. Like it's just done so well. And just the way yeah. the, the juxtapositions of it, they cut at the right times, you know, the right moments of the song are showing you what he's really about while you listen to the words and they're saying the opposite. They did such a good job at truly illustrating how full of shit that song is, <laughs> you know, and the, the, the visually speaking, they do such a great job of just illustrating it 100%. Like at the end of that song, if you watch the, the performance, if you listen to the song, you might be confused, but if you watch it, if you just watch that whole scene play out, you have zero questions, what his loyalties are and what he really cares about. You have none. And I loved that. And I mean, to go back to what, what Heather and we all kind of talked about a little bit earlier, man, they underutilized Tay Diggs. Man, they did. I understand he probably just wanted to be in this movie because it's Chicago. It's a play. You know what I mean? He's, he, he started on Broadway, you know, mm -hmm. and he just wanted to be a part of it because it's an iconic play. He's like, sure, I'll take that part. I don't care. I just want to be in this. I want to be a part of this, you know, and kudos to him. But fuck, you had a Tay Diggs sitting there. You fucking utilize the Tay Diggs. You have a Tay dig sitting there. You use them. I just think that that's what everybody <laughs> should do. And then on top of that. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he emceed like nobody else, but still. Yeah. It's just, man, I just wish they made up a number. I just wish they made up a song to give some Tay Diggs some Tay Diggs time. <laughs> right. And then, and something I did not realize until watching it this time also. Man, you get a little Dominic West at the beginning of this movie too. Yep. Yeah, your boy. Yep. My boy McNutty. Yep. Yes, I know yep. it's McNulty. <laughs> But it's McNutty. Like, yeah. Did you remember that was him? No. I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I hadn't seen I didn't this either. in so long. 
you know, when I'm watching this, like when I was like, you know, back in the day watching this, I didn't give a fuck about this movie. No one paid attention to who was in it. And then you realized Tay Diggs was in it. I knew who Tay Diggs back, was back then. I still didn't remember it was he was in it. You know, there are lots of things about this movie I forgot. But I'm glad that I now know. I know. Oh, thank you, fat boy. My, my cat just brought me a permanent marker. <laughs> um, but do you guys have any more thoughts about this movie? Nope. Good pick, Jason. Good pick. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and the only thing I forgot to say is just this one, uh, this other line that I say all the time to people because it's just funny. But uh, whenever we're getting the Lucy Lou story and he's talking about what the guy said when she walked in and she, and she was like, he was like, I'm I'm alone. And then she went, but there are two women in the bed with you. And then he said, man, <laughs> what are you going to believe what you see? Or what I tell you, man, that, <laughs> that was, that was yeah. the most horrible yet, like, badass line. Right. Like, ever. So, so there's a lot of times where I'll be doing something and I'll tell somebody, man, I'm not doing that. Or I'll be like, I'm, you know, um, or I, you know, I'll just joke with people. And like, I always set them up and it always works. Cause I'll be like, I'm not doing the thing that I'm actually doing. And they're like, yeah, you right. are. I mean, I can <laughs> see you. And I'm like, well, what do you, and I always, and I will hit people with that uh, all the time. And it always gets a laugh. Like, well, what are you going to believe what you see or what I tell you? And then it always <laughs> gets a laugh out of a man. It sucks that they don't know where that comes from, but yeah, I, I, I mm -hmm. say that line often because I just thought that was such a badass line. And then she's there with a gun. And for him to say that, I mean, he had to have known his life was over. Oh, like, yeah. He didn't Completely. Care. But he didn't care, man. Like, he didn't care. I still got to be an asshole. So, yeah, I just <laughs> forgot to say that earlier. But, yeah, again, just great lines in this film. Just so you know, Justin. If we're ever around each other and you say that, I have no other recourse but to shoot you. <laughs> Damn. I'm just saying. If we're going to do the scene. If we're, we're going to reference this movie, we're going to reference the fuck out of it. <laughs> Damn it. Well, uh, so much for that. It's nice dope. knowing you, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. I got to say it anyway. So, yeah, I guess I'm dead, man. The next time I come to Chicago. You'll, you just, look, you'll just look me in the eyes and just resign to your fate and just say the line <laughs> even more fitting if you're in chicago when it happens though you know exactly yeah perfect place to do it and when i get arrested i'll just start singing he had it coming <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> i'll be like give me billy on the phone i'll pay somebody 100 bucks for it i need out so that you and i can drink gin together <laughs> and be like motherfucker you better be tap dancing in court that's all i'm saying <laughs> oh, sight. all right well on that note thank you guys for listening to this episode of the simple slayers podcast check us out on the internet at www.simpleslayers.com or facebook where we're simple slayers podcast or twitter and instagram where we are cinema underscore slayers uh give us uh if you ever get a chance give us a five-star rating and review let us know what you think uh also on, uh, along the same lines with that uh, if you like the show, uh, tell your friends, tell your family. If they're very sensitive people, um, just tell them I'm an asshole and to ignore me. That's fine. Um, 
yeah, just, you know, tell other people about the show. That'd really help us out. And also, uh, on a more somber note, uh, we are recording this the day that uh, Jessica Walter died. A lot of people know her from Arrested Development and Archer. And uh, mm. yeah, she mm-hmm. passed away today. That really sucks. But I did want to say something about that because, especially for me, my big thing with her was uh, Archer, you know, and she played Mallory on that. And I just know a lot of people, especially like, know her from Arrested Development and stuff. And yeah, it just really sucks that that happened today. Yeah. That was a really bad transition. I don't know why I did it then. Should have done it at a different time because then I'm like, and uh, thanks to Plug Migo for making our song. God, that's a there horrible transition. I really fucked that up. I'm sorry to everybody. <laughs> it's too late for me to fix it. I just shouldn't have done it then. Um, and on that note, I'm just ending this fucking thing. Let's go. Uh, Moon Knight Best Picture winner, Jason. Ha ha. Cause you can look right through me, walk right by me, like I'm not even there.